Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Hello, hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Divorce Redefined, Changing the Experience of Divorce. I am Cindy Stibbard, and I am your host. And I am so honored to be here as part of Voice America Empowerment Channel. And on this show, every week, we we dive deep into a topic that many of us feel uncomfortable about, a topic that's highly stigmatized in our society, and a topic that triggers even those of us who have gone through it and are well on the other side. And that is a topic of divorce. I'm a divorce coach, a certified divorce specialist. I'm also a discernment counselor in training. But first and foremost, I'm a mother, a partner, a daughter, a sister, a leader, a lifelong learner, a dreamer, a wine drinker, a chronic overthinker, and a bit of a truth teller. And I like to have the uncomfortable conversations that most people don't want to have. One of my driving missions and what inspired me to start my professional practice, Divorce Redefined, is to increase the knowledge and understanding of both marriage and separation. When I found myself navigating the divorce process in my early 40s, I was embarrassed, shocked, and terrified to discover how little I truly knew about the legal implications of marriage and what the divorce process actually entailed. So I decided to create the support that I needed when I was going through it. And going forward on this journey, I'm going to be introducing you to an incredible lineup of guests, all who have very valuable insight and advice to share. We have financial experts, high-powered divorce attorneys, mediators, a retired judge, a custody expert, an expert in high-conflict divorce, trauma and relationship therapist, dating coaches, and so many more amazing leaders in their fields. And I want you to be able to meet them all. So if you're interested in seeing the full lineup of guests over the next 13 weeks, head over to my Instagram page at Divorce Redefined, and you will see who I am beyond honored to have on the show. And today... Today, I'd like to introduce to you a very special guest. She's a friend of mine. She's a role model in how she lives her life on her own terms. And she even helped me get a little snapshot of my own financial situation when I was going through divorce. I'd like to introduce you to Kelly Lavalley. She is a CPA, CA, CFDS, CDFA, and she'll explain to you what all those are. <laughs> and she is has an advisory practice who helps women navigate financially complex divorces. As a thought leader in the arena of modern divorce, Kelly calls for a measured and pragmatic approach to reduce the suffering that is often part of the global business of divorce. She augments her persuasive and empathetic vision of untying the knot with her personal experience. She grew up in a blended family herself and navigated her own divorce to become a parent in her own blended family. And very exciting news, Kelly just recently published her first book. I believe it's your first book. Uh, called Untying the Knot, Protecting Your Emotional and Financial Health During Divorce. And I wish I could show you the cover of this book. It's beautiful. It's bright pink with yellow and white lettering. Go over to Kelly's Instagram at Kelly Lavalley to see for yourself and click the link to order the book. (laughs) But I'd like to introduce you to Kelly. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. 
Yeah, it's great. It's so great to have you. And I want to focus a little bit on what your role is in the divorce process, because I think when people are going through the the process of divorce, everything is coming at you from all different directions that you don't really need to know. You don't really know what to focus on first. And to me, the financial piece is usually the scariest and the most uncertain, which puts a bit of an obstacle in the way of the divorce process. So tell us kind of what your role is in divorce and how you got into it. Sure. I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I don't think divorce is a do-it-yourself project. (laughs) I think that um, I I love that more and more people would like to, to do this amicably. And I think sometimes people think that amicably means doing it on their own, but it really is a technical process. I mean, it's personal and traumatic and challenging and and it's technical. And so um, I feel like since it's governed by law, you really need to have legal advice. And again, totally biased, but <laughs> since a big part of divorce is often your finances untangling or unraveling your financial connection with, with your ex, I, th- I think that you need someone who can guide you through that if that's not your area of expertise. And, and really, even if it is, because there are some unique financial implications when you're going through divorce. I think it's totally reasonable to expect that your lawyer should have an understanding of the financial implications of divorce, but they aren't financial experts in the same way that you know my, my entire practice is in divorce, so I have a sense of the family law, but but that's not my area of expertise. So I think it's making sure that the people who are helping you are are really operating in their zone of expertise that you get good advice. Yeah, I totally agree with that because I think, and I think you agree with this, divorce does take a team of people, right? And everyone has their own sort of specialty on that team. And being able to really work through that financial piece, I think helps everyone on the team get clear on the divorce process too, right? And where a couple even stands. I think, I mean, one challenging thing is as the person getting divorced, you are the boss of the team. You're Mm -hmm. the one making the decisions. And, And so part of the challenge is understanding who should be doing what. Um, and so I think it's also important as, you know, if, if there's a coach involved and a lawyer and an accountant, that they're all working together as well. Mm-hmm. Because I think part of our jobs as divorce professionals is to like help, help people through the process um, to give them comfort that the right person is on on the task and help and let them know like you need to be making these decisions. Our job is to guide you through those decisions and give you the information that you need. But ultimately, you know, it's 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 your life, your divorce, your decisions. Totally. And I think a lot of people can lose sight of being that leader of their divorce process. Like I see people, oh, I'm just going to leave it up to the lawyer. I'm just going to trust the process you hear a lot of, which also is good. You have to put trust in the legal professionals and the professionals in general that you hire. But I do think that sometimes we lose sight of that fact that we are in control because we're sometimes only one side of that uh, you know, the situation where you're kind of pulling in at each other. 
But I yeah, think absolutely. being in, in charge of it is is super key. Do you think it has something to do with, you know, having well more knowledge and wherewithal about your financial situation to feel more empowered in that role? Yeah, I mean, like I think the the first thing to um, deal with is, I mean, examining what was your role in the marriage because we often divide and conquer, right, in a marriage, mm-hmm. which makes good sense. Focus on your strengths, and so part of that transition when you're in the divorcing life stage, because it is a life stage, it's not a line that we step over, right, is understanding your own strengths and weaknesses and shoring up those areas where you're feeling a little insecure or out of your depth. And and so when you're choosing your team, I think to choose people who help to build you up, mm-hmm. who you understand, because yeah. if they can't communicate well with you, how are you going to feel informed and make good decisions? Um, and I mean, we, of course, it's wonderful if someone is a technical expert, but that doesn't make them um, better than. <laughs> it's just that they're providing you a valuable service. But those people should be really, in my opinion, building you up because part of this process is potentially regaining confidence in areas where you may have lost some of it. So I think choosing professionals that build you up, choosing professionals that are good communicators or communicate in a way that you understand because you need to make the decisions. Yeah, it's so true. And I think that being built up and being clear, because it's already so overwhelming and so confusing already. You know, you hear all these messages from all of these different sources and you don't really know how to navigate it. And at everyone that you bring in on your team, also, I think there's this fear that, you know, divorce is expensive and I need to save all my money for the lawyer. So I really shouldn't hire all of these people to come and help me. So what are your thoughts on that in terms of building that team and, and spending the money on the professionals? It is a painfully expensive process. <laughs> I mean, um, and, and I think you touched on fear around finances, which I think is so true. Uh, divorce in at best is financial uncertainty, but more likely is a financial setback. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's just, you know, when we are going through life, driving up to our house in our car, we're not really thinking about how we own half of all these assets. They feel like they're ours. Mm-hmm. And so when you go through divorce and you cut the pie in half, even though that that really is just a reflection of what was a reality before. It feels like a major setback for most people. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is incredibly scary. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And to me, the, the only way ultimately to address that fear is to move through the uncertainty. Um, Mm -hmm. And that just takes as anyone who's gone through it knows a ridiculously long amount of time, right? The divorce process is not fast. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that uh, from a financial perspective, it's saying I'm going to take one step at a time. When I step back and look at the whole situation, I feel terrified. Um, And so I'm going to focus on just taking the next financial step as opposed to saying I'm going to try and handle this whole thing myself. So when it comes to hiring you know, professionals, when you're already feeling this financial fear and like you're taking a step back financially, it's it the the hourly rates can feel staggering. Um, but I encourage people to look at it from the perspective of value 
as opposed just to cost. Because if you are trying to scrimp and save on legal fees, and so you don't get the advice you need, and you end up not enforcing all of your financial rights in the situation, and you end up with a deal significantly less than you might have otherwise, that was, you know, it would have been money well spent. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I see that happening all the time where there's that negotiations for the financial asset split or whatever happens before you actually have a really clear picture of what your financial situation is. Like more often than not, I work with with clients who say, well, you know, we're kind of working it out on a on a on a sticky note to figure mm-hmm. out, you know, what we have and what we don't have. And I think, wow, like stop right there. We shouldn't be making any even negotiations based on something we don't know anything about until you have all those numbers on the table you really aren't in a position to be able to negotiate much at all, really. Yeah, I think I think that you might imagine if you haven't been through it if you're or if you're early days in a divorce, that that process of disclosure, of gathering all of the financial information, like this should be the easy part, right? Mm-hmm. All it is is digging up the paperwork. But I, I don't know if it's because it's it's what you do first and you're everyone's still reeling and you might not have your team's in place or have worked together for very long, um, or if people imagine that disclosure is going to put them um, at a disadvantage. But for whatever reason, just getting to the point where you have all of the information on the table with which to make a decision is incredibly challenging and time consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I just encourage people like it, I, I, I get that it's it's um, not fun to go and dig up all of this paperwork, but it 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 gets worse with time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's not the kind of homework that that you want to procrastinate on because when you are separated, you're kind of in this no man's land financially, and you're not you're not married, but you're still tied financially to this person, and the longer that that limbo period goes on, the more complex the financial situation becomes. Right. Um, so, I, yeah, I think do the disclosure, don't procrastinate on it, and please don't make decisions without sufficient mm-hmm. information. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, don't put anything, your cards on the table until you really know. Um, And I do find it a lot, too. You know, there isn't that financial disclosure, like you say. That's almost like the obstacle in the way because that's when lawyers need to come in sometimes at the very beginning because the other side, let's say, isn't wanting to disclose the financial information to you. So then it puts a little bit of a barrier on how far can we really do this on our own when we're not really agreeable to be completely transparent with each other, especially on the finances, right? So that's when you need a lawyer to to say to the other side, okay, we're ordering these documents so that we can start this financial discovery process. So in, you know, you you specialize and work in this area quite a bit. So at what point does someone, you know, bring you into the process? And then what types of things are you going to be asking for so you can start that financial piece? you know, preparing that financial piece for them? I mean, I've joined teams uh, and started working with clients at every stage imaginable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that often, I mean, initially people are reeling. And uh, I think that it's pretty natural that the first 
the first call, if you're reaching out to a professional, is often a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, from in terms of my own practice, I would say like half of my work comes directly from referrals from lawyers who um, are working with clients where they're just that there's a lot of financial complexity, and so they mm-hmm. they are the ones that are identifying that um, we need some help, but. Um, you know, so wh- wherever I wherever I join the process, I the 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 steps are the same. You know, every divorce is unique, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so the complexity or the specific nature of issues is the same. But but from a financial perspective, the process is the same. First step, get sufficient disclosure, and you're totally right that even though most divorces do not end up in trial. Mm-hmm. You know, you sometimes need the stick of the court to get people to disclose. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't really get it because it's 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 going to happen. Yeah. Like under no circumstances <laughs> will will uh, the process will the court say no, no, you you don't need to <laughs> share the information. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. But for whatever reason, people resist it. But so so step one is to ensure you're getting disclosure. So my my role is to. Um, just support the client through that process to ensure they're getting all the information. And I mean, the the nice thing is that that process is pretty well organized. Mm -hmm. And so when you are working with a lawyer, then they'll ensure that the disclosure you receive, someone is swearing that it's complete. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that you're guaranteed that it's complete? No, but that is a serious thing to swear that you've disclosed everything and and not do it. I'm not right. saying people don't do that, but I think like most people think pretty carefully before they um you know intentionally hide things from ultimately from the court. Like it's not that they're mm-hmm. hiding it from you ultimately, right? So um so step one is to to kind of get your starting point. And all that is really is a list of things that you own and owe as mm-hmm. a family. Mm-hmm. That's step one. Step two is to say, is there anything that is excluded? So like of all those things that we own and owe, do we have to share them all? Because some right. stuff is not in the family bucket. Mm-hmm. And so figuring out, and that's a, that is a legal question. Like th- that's an area where I say like, you don't know what you don't know as a lay person going right. through divorce. Yeah. And it can, it can be contentious. Um, and so you you need help to yes. know what should be in that pie, like things like maybe you had an inheritance, maybe you had a gift from a third party, you know, maybe you came into the relationship with assets, but it totally depends on your specific facts and where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that part is tricky, and you really do need help. And then step three is. Okay, of the stuff that we now have to divide up, what are we going to do with it? Right. And you only have four choices. You, you're going to keep it and you're going to buy your ex out. You're going to let them take it and they're going to buy you out of your half. You're going to continue to share it. And I get heart palpitations when people want to do that. Yeah. Or you're going to sell it and split the proceeds. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is a business deal. It's a it's unstructuring a business. Like, what would you do if you were selling a business? Yeah, I, and I think, I mean, it's simple, 
but it's not easy. Like the, right. the idea, that's simple. What I just described is like, wow, why does this take five years? But mm-hmm. yeah. um, I mean, I think the complexities, there's these common points of complexity. People don't want to disclose. That's just time consuming. It's not really complex. Um, figuring out what goes in the family bucket can be complex. And then when you decide, okay, I want to keep this stuff and I, my ex is going to keep that stuff. The big question that can chew up a lot of your professional's time and, and your money is um, figuring out what all that stuff is worth mm-hmm. because you're not going and putting the house on the market if one of you is keeping it. Right. Um, and so that uh, can be complicated and time-consuming and contentious. Mm-hmm. Because we all have this protection of our money, right? Especially if you were the breadwinner of the family, all of a sudden it's no longer family money, right? It's like, okay, no, I made this money and it's different than what we would consider family money. And I work with that a lot. There's so many. I like to call them disenfranchised spouses, right? Where they have been at home for years. They don't really have access to finances. They don't really have a clue what they have. And now they're sitting in a situation where they have to look at their entire family financial world. They don't really know even where to start to look at it. And a huge fear, which I hear all the time is, you know, could they be hiding something? And where, how would I know? You know, is that in your experience working with this, I mean, how common is that really? How easy is it or hard is it to really hide the finances from your spouse? I think I think the seeds of that are sown early, not to be a fear monger, but I do. I'm an accountant who works in divorce. So, of course, mm-hmm. I'm a fear monger. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think if you've had pretty open financial communication in your marriage um, and and both people have had sort of eyes on at least at like a high level of what was happening financially. So what both people were making and how you're investing your money. Then I think in those circumstances, it's it's far less likely that someone's going to successfully carve out a big chunk of assets without, and, and it wouldn't be identifiable. I mean, money leaves a, a trail Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm not saying that it's impossible. Um, and, you know, if we take the situation of something more traditional, and it's, this doesn't even have to be um, based on gender lines, but where one person really controlled the finances and the other person just was not interested, perhaps, but for whatever reason, they really divided that responsibility and didn't sh- share information with one another, then, you know, there's been an opportunity over a longer period of time to carve assets out. I mean, I, I, I do want to kind of give some comfort to the person who may not have been involved in the finances that it is not something that anyone would take lightly to, to hide assets. And I think that the the bigger issue is um, around how you're going to manage the assets that exist. Like, so maybe someone taking a position, a more aggressive position about things that should be excluded or an aggressive position to undervalue things that they want to keep. Um, but, But the idea that there's a high possibility of an offshore account. I really feel like that type of fear is a bit of a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and it can be addressed 
with getting disclosure, working with an accountant. I mean, I, I, you know, the idea of digging through 20 years of statements, I, I really not sure that that's a good use of anyone's time. Right. Um, you have to know but, to call it quits, right? Okay, right? we've reached our limit. There, yeah. you know, even if there was more there, how much time and energy and cost is it going to be on me to keep digging for that? Absolutely. Because even if if someone is has been intent on defrauding you over a long period of time, mm-hmm. sadly, it, it, it that can be difficult to find. If it was um, something that occurred to them post-separation, mm-hmm. that's easier to find, right? Because, because money leaves a trail. Right. Yeah. So someone yeah. had to be pretty intent on defrauding you to be successful. Right. Yeah. And sometimes I think the disclosure piece in and even the the calculation of your assets and what you have can be more complicated when you get into businesses and shareholders and you don't just have regular, you know, regular employee income, so to speak, right? When there's all those other levels that need different evaluation on them. And that can become more complicated where you just can't say, okay, I'm I can I can make a random assessment of how much my business is worth. Like that's when things become a bit more bit trickier, right? Absolutely. And and that, so people, you know, maybe making choices to reduce assessed values, uh, I think that that's more of an issue to be aware of and to make sure that your professionals are helping you assess than an offshore bank account. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Of things that you already have. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think having that that transparency is is so essential. And it does surprise me too how much people resist it because it just drives your costs up when you're trying to actually protect your money. It's costing you more by not disclosing, which is always so shocking to me. I think that you hit the you hit on it. I think it's um when you have been become accustomed to being the primary decision maker and in control of your finances. This is a big adjustment, I think, for both parties to relinquish some of that control and for the party who hasn't had it to take it on. That's part of this divorcing transition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, So any of you listeners out there, right before we head to a quick break, if you would like a question answered on the show, please email cindystibbardcoaching at gmail.com, or you can directly message me through my Instagram, and I'll do my best to see if I can get it answered for you on the show today. And go check out my social media page as well as Kelly's at Kelly Lavallee. So follow us. Make sure that you you stay in the know and you're up to date on education, emotional support, and empowerment throughout whatever storm you are battling in your life. So head on over to Kelly's Instagram at Kelly Lavalley and check out her website at kellylavalley.ca. And we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. 
You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. If you have a question for Cindy or her guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Here is Cindy Stibbard. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Divorce Redefined. If you haven't been joining us up until now, I'd like to welcome you to the show. I am your host, Cindy Stibbard. And on this show, we are talking about hard things. And today, as well as every week, we are going to talk about something that we feel uncomfortable about. And that topic is divorce. And today we're talking about money and divorce, which is even that much more uncomfortable for a lot of us. You know, money is stressful and money comes with a lot of, I want to say baggage, but there's a lot of layers to money that we can we can un unwrap, I guess we can say. And today joining me is my dear friend, Kelly Lavallee. She is also a CPA, a CA, a CFDS, and a CDFA, which gives her, um, I guess, qualification, education to work in the divorce world. And she deals with very high uh, complex financial divorce cases. So Kelly also recently published her first book called Untying the Knot, Protecting Your Emotional and Financial Health During Divorce. So I highly suggest that you get yourself a copy of this if you are even thinking about going through the divorce process, because the financial piece of divorce is often the scariest and it is often the most unknown and it can get in the way of the entire process. So welcome back. Welcome back, Kelly. Thank you very much. Yes. And we were just finishing up talking about, you know, the logistics of money and how to navigate the financial disclosure piece at the beginning of of the divorce process. But I wanted to switch this around and bring it into a little, you know, personal in terms of our own situations. And I know, I understand that you've been through divorce yourself as as well. And myself too, during my situation, I didn't realize how important finding a financial expert and professional was probably too many months into the process. You know, I think that when we come into the divorce process, I personally think it's one of the first people that you need to hire on your team so you can start to get that really clear. And a lot of people don't know this. So I think it's super important that they do. But looking back for yourself, you went through divorce yourself. Were you as aware as you are now about that implication, about the importance of having a person like yourself on that divorce team? I mean, I'm sure your situation was different then than it would be now, but how was the financial piece for you back then? And what would you say is different today? Well, I was pretty young and so we didn't have much. So it it was relatively simple. I mean, I, I, 
we did a do-it-yourself divorce, which is not something I would recommend to, to anyone, you know, do as I say, not as I did. But um, when I look back at it, we were young. I was young. I was 30 um, and we didn't have any kids together. And so my, my divorce is very simple, but um, I was the person choosing to leave and, and I um, definitely gave up like financially gave up probably more than I had to. Again, we were so young and we had so little that it didn't really impact my financial future very much. But um, I think one of the things that that I see that I did and that I see other people doing that I work with who are going through divorce is you touched on it in your introduction there, Cindy, that um, money we wrap money up with a lot of other baggage and for me, I felt very guilty about leaving. And I attempted to ease that guilt by giving up more of the assets. <laughs> um, and I, I think that making financial decisions from um, a perspective of trying either to inflict pain because you're blaming or um, uh, punish yourself because you're feeling shame. Um, I, I would encourage people to set that aside that one, uh, falling on your sword financially does not ease the pain. You know, it's, it's sort of, it's like a new injustice. Mm -hmm. uh, so it doesn't work. Um, and, and I mean, I believe, of course, I, every situation is unique, but every divorce I've ever seen, it, it takes two. Mm -hmm. And so it's very natural, especially early days to see it a little more black and white and assign like a villain or a victim. And sometimes we, we assign ourselves that villain role, mm -hmm. but, but the truth is more complex. And I think over time, you often get to a more balanced view of your divorce. Um, and that might mean for some um, seeing how, you know, your partner also played a part if you were feeling super guilty about leaving or um, that you played a part if you were really immersed in blaming your ex. Uh, but the financial implications of doing a deal mm -hmm. under the influence of blame and shame linger. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that was a, a, a learning that I took from my divorce and I try and help clients see clearly when they're navigating the financial implications of theirs. Yeah. I think that's major. And I, I think what you're saying is the, when the emotions are attached to this, especially the money factor or just the, the injustice of divorce, right? Like you're looking for retributive justice. Like I'm looking for my emotional justice. I'm the, the breadwinner, the power player in the money world. So I'm going to use that to punish or pay back, you know, my spouse either for leaving me. And I see the opposite is true for sometimes the women who've been at home using the kids as that sort of leverage piece, because that's what they have more control over, right? Mm -hmm. And working through those emotions, because that's where you get stuck, is when those emotions are not healed. I mean, let's be honest, we're not going to heal anytime soon as you're starting your divorce process, right? It's going to take a long, long time, but learning how to separate how you feel from this almost business process of divorce, right? And that this is your 
this is your spouse. You've created a life with this person. There was amazing times together. And now this is also your co-parent. This is half of your children who you have to spend the rest of your life with, really. Mm -hmm. How you choose to do that is a choice. But every decision that we make at the beginning, especially financially and with kids, will impact the ability to maintain whatever relationship you're going to try to establish with this person for years to come. And your your book, I like that we're talking about emotions because your book talks about protecting your emotional and financial health. So what do you, I mean, I haven't gone through the entire emotional side of, um, of your chapters, but tell us a bit more about that and how those two are connected. For sure. Um, I've been working with people and their money for, for three decades. And so um, I would say like money is often, it's like the tip of the iceberg and below our behaviors around money and decisions we make around money are, it's, it's a lot of, um, you know, core beliefs mm-hmm. <laughs> and pot- potentially connected to our sense of self-worth and safety and security. And these are big driving forces that impact the way we behave and the decisions we make around money. And so if we're, if we're unaware of them, of those things that drive us, and if we don't have strategies to manage them, if we don't understand ourselves, then sometimes we, it it negatively impacts our ability to be pragmatic when it comes to the finances. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, (laughs) when you're going through divorce, it, it, is your your apple cart is completely upended. And mm-hmm. sadly, you're working through this personal trauma while managing what is for a lot of people the biggest business deal of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, in terms of the how, you touched on it when you said, we're not going to work through all of the trauma in time. This mm-hmm. isn't, unfortunately, we can't just say, could we just press pause Mm-hmm. On the business of the divorce, because I need some time to heal before I can handle that well. Um, and so I the the recommendations that that I make on the financial side are really about um, it's not a good long-term strategy, but one compartmentalizing. So to mm-hmm. say, look, it's not reasonable to think that you're gonna be able to process all this trauma in advance of getting this deal sorted out. But you, you, if you can be aware of it and attempt to compartmentalize it. And so when you're working on the business of your divorce, trying to put on that pragmatic hat and set some of the pain aside and understand that this deal that you're working on, it's about your future. Mm-hmm. It is, it's not, you have things that you're going to have to be working through that are connected to your marriage and, and the, and its end. Um, but the business of your divorce is about your future. Um, and I, I think that, uh, you know, a big part of these early days when you're getting divorced is recalibrating your boundaries with your partner, because mm-hmm. you don't go from married uh, and super connected to indifferent. Mm-hmm. You're still extremely connected. You, it's, it takes time to recalibrate your boundaries. Um, and so, and, you know, boundaries being your, your feelings and your, the way you think about this person, but also there's an ability to actually change your behavior. So create some space for yourself, including financially. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, very likely early days in your divorce, you're still super tied in financially to your partner. So but beginning to unravel some of that to create some space 
while your, your deeper boundaries are recalibrating. And that's hard to do, especially if you've been the one that's been at home, you don't necessarily have access to finances to, to start to split, right? Like he, in my situation, I had a, a joint credit card. That was it. I had no access to, to savings accounts, to checkings accounts, to investments, to like nothing. So if I needed cash, I had to ask for it. Like I just wasn't able to you know, withdraw so I could pay my lawyer retainer, you know? So when you're in a situation like that, like you really feel so stuck and um, powerless, really, you feel completely controlled, almost like this oppressiveness in, you know, in, in a way, you know, that you've been able to, to be in this situation and almost allowing it to happen. You know, a lot of, a lot of people can end up in that situation where they don't, they don't, play a big role in that financial piece because they're parenting, you know, they're, they're not earning the money. And so there's, you know, other things to worry about at the time, as long as, you know, there's nothing serious I need to worry about. Fine. Don't worry about it. But I find it becoming such an issue at the end when now there is that lack of access and that fear of, okay, everything's combined. Can they completely cut me off of the finances or can they just drain joint accounts? And what do we do you do in the meantime prior to starting that process of either mediating or negotiating your divorce settlement? Yeah, I, I think this sort of creating the immediate financial security is is job number one mm-hmm. um, when you're initially separated. Because you know, when I first started working in the area of divorce. I just, I had my eye on, let's get people through this as fast as possible. And let's focus on that final settlement. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, things take time. Like, honestly, the way you're decide the, the decisions that you might make financially are going to evolve over the course of the, this divorcing phase. What you think you might want is going to change um, and people need time. And you need to focus on getting this interim safety and security so that you're in a position to be able to negotiate that final settlement. Mm-hmm. Because if your ability to pay for groceries is dependent on your counterparty in the negotiation, also known as your soon-to-be ex, this is not a place from which you can successfully negotiate. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't, I, I don't want people to, f- to feel critical of themselves if they've found themselves in a situation where they weren't focused on the finances in their marriage. It's just that understanding that this is job number one for you to create some financial independence for yourself and ensure that your team, whoever's working with you, your lawyer is helping you gain some of that independence and, and ensuring that you're not entirely reliant on the goodwill of your ex to maintain that. I think a lot of people um, early days, you're going through so much change mm-hmm that they feel like, well, we're just going to keep our finances they were, the way they were in the marriage for now until we have an arra- a final arrangement. But often that means relying on one person's goodwill. For example, if one person is working outside the home and the other person has been caring for kids, uh, if you have to rely on that person's goodwill to continue to deposit their paycheck in the joint bank account, I mean, it gives me heart palpitation <laughs> because yes. even if you're saints, the two of you are saints, thinking that you can have a completely amicable divorce is like saying, I'm going to have a completely amicable marriage. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it's, it's, 
it doesn't exist. I don't know. Should it even exist? Because mm-hmm. you each have to represent your own interests and there's lots of gray in the area of divorce. And so you're going to be on the opposite sides of some uh, arguments. Mm-hmm. And I think that to go in understanding that you can both want to be fair, you can both want it to be uh, rational and pragmatic, and there's going to be some bumps. And so we need to have a system where you're insulated, like literally, like don't cohabitate and have your own bank account so that when Mm -hmm. those bumps come up, you have good boundaries and you're Mm -hmm. safe. You can retreat back into your safe space. Totally. I love that you said that because a lot of times I think we can set ourselves up for better success even long before we even are considering divorce, like even empower yourself as as a female. I know that you talk a lot about that on your Instagram about do something that's for you because not does not only is it important for the family, it's also important to you as an individual. And those people that are listening who, you know, are even on considering the idea of separating or divorce one day, or it's even a thought, a blip of a thought in their mind, starting now to start to pull away from the family finance, but set yourself up as an independent person in that family unit is going to be so powerful at the end. You know, I always recommend you have your own credit card with your own name on it. I did. I'm telling you all these things that I did not have, you know, which I learned the hard way. It's important to have, you know, do you have a bank account that you can put little bits of money into it, you know, and also build your own credit so that you feel that I've got a safety net in a way in case anything was to happen, anything, regardless if it's divorce or not, but something that you don't have to always ask for permission for access to funds. It's super empowering. I think, especially as, as a woman, as a mom who was staying at home for so many years. Yeah. I think, I mean, to just totally indulge in some gender stereotyping. If you take a traditional situation where uh, the man breadwinner controller of, of the finances and the marriage, and the woman is the primary caregiver for kids, the difference is what's happening with the kids is playing out in public. We can all see it. So, so dad is involved. Dad's, Mm -hmm weighing in, or at least he's informed because he's, he's in the house. Mm -hmm. He's relating to the kids. He's observing what you're doing as a parent. Even the least involved dad is informed about the outcomes, even if he's not weighing in. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when it comes to the finances, you have to be intentional about staying informed. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, I mean, I'm an accountant, so I think it's wonderful, but I get that it's boring. Like a lot of it is boring. Um, but I think there's, even if you don't end up divorced, which I hope you don't, um, there's a lot of benefits to staying involved in the mm-hmm. finances, at least at a high level when you're married. And I have not met two people who manage money in the exact same way. Right. Like so so I, I can guarantee you, no matter how similar you are to your spouse, that you have a different perspective about some things about the way money should be managed. Mm-hmm. And so to say, well, I'm not that interested in it. So I'm just going to abdicate all of it to my partner and not even be informed. You essentially are guaranteeing that things are going to be happening from a financial perspective that aren't consistent with what you would choose. 
Mm-hmm. What you would choose together will always be somewhat different than what you would do if just one person was making all the decisions. So, I mean, I love the idea of at least at a strategic level, both people staying involved in the finances. And I think, I mean, this is my personal bias showing, but I agree with you, Cindy, that to maintain some level of independence financially is good for your marriage and good for your own spirit, even if nothing bad ever happens. Right. Yeah, it's so true. It is true because it also creates some kind of balance and connection in your relationship. You know, a lot of times they're so different. There's not, not that the saying there's nothing to be have in common, but when you just are so different in that way, you don't really have a good understanding. And I see so many marriages become unbalanced in that power role because one does the working, all the money, one does the kids, and they're not essentially the same. And we don't really have an understanding of what it takes to you know, to support a household, make all that money. I can see how a lot of, I'm going to say men also sticking to the stereotype for a minute, although I've seen women in this situation too, where, you know, now they're, they're angry that they have to support and, you know, share their finances that they've worked so hard to build. We don't understand the value of a dollar unless we've made it ourselves. You know, it really has to be coming from our sweat, blood and tears almost, you know what I mean? So I mean, really appreciate it. Like, I feel like when you're married and you've, you know, divided and conquered that you have contributed. And I, I think like one of the things I encourage, I work exclusively with what I call the financially disenfranchised and so far they've all been women, but mm-hmm. um, I, what I encourage women to embrace is you have been part of earning your family asset base. Um, and it's as, as incomprehensible to me to say that a woman hasn't earned the family assets as it is for a man to say, like, or for, for a mom to say, uh, dad, you have nothing to do with the kids. Like, yeah. so I, I, I think that sometimes, if especially for stay-at-home moms, thinking that they aren't entitled to weigh in on the finances. I really want to encourage people to, to view it in the same way that you would view parenthood. So in the same way that both parents are very much entitled to weigh in on how you're raising your kids, regardless of whether you're working inside the home or outside the home, you have an entitlement to weigh in and you can add value. I'll say for myself in my marriage, I manage the finances and those times in our life financially where we things haven't been going as swimmingly, mm-hmm. it can be quite lonely for the person that is managing the finances. Right. Um, and so as the person who might be less interested or less involved, your involvement is a support to your partner. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, even if they might not see it that way initially. Right. <laughs> you definitely don't see it at the, mo- at the moment of divorce, that, right? <laughs> true, true, true. Not at all. True. Uh, yeah. So as we're kind of cl- or wrapping it up, closing soon, I want to just talk about your book. So tell us why you wrote it. Like, What was the why behind it and what you want people to learn from this book, which sure, is so sure. great. Yeah. I mean, my, I, I think that, look, when you're getting divorced, you're going to suffer. It's it's going to be a difficult time. But I I there I have witnessed a lot of suffering that I think can be prevented. And 
Um, so my hope with this book is one to give you comfort so that, you know, like you, there are other people who've walked this road um, and to give you confidence that you can handle it and to break down the financial piece of it into sort of easy steps. So I just, I want people to feel like they've, you know, I've given them a hug, I've given them confidence and I've given them practical tools. And so, and my, my, my why is to try to address this unnecessary suffering piece and, and make the process just to give people more support through the process. I think it's so, so critical. It's really, I mean, to have more resources like this out there. I wish I had this when I was going through my process, you know, years ago, I think that would have been so helpful. So I love that you've written this and I would love that everyone go check out Kelly's Instagram and click on her link to check out her book. And so Kelly, where can, after people are listening to the show, where can they find you? Uh, so you can go to my website, lavalley.ca, and if you're interested in buying the book, there's links there. You can also reach out to me. I have a consulting practice, so but the website is the best place to find me. I'm very accessible. I take every meeting. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. And, you know, I think it's also so key to just be open. I think us as women in this world of divorce, you know, our why, and I think you can relate is just to help people through a really difficult time. You know, we are here for a reason. We are here to, to reach out to, you know, you have questions, you're in a really difficult time. We get it. You know, we've been through the divorce ourselves. We see it every single day. And although every divorce is different, there are some things that can be relatively the same and making sure that you get the support that you need, ask those questions, feel like you're not going through this alone because a big part of the reason we're having this show and this podcast is so that you know that you are not alone in all of this, that everyone is feeling as scared, as overwhelmed and as unclear and freaked out as, as you are, and that that is okay. There are people like Kelly, like myself, who are here to help you get through it. Um, so coming up in the next couple of weeks, we have some amazing guests as well. Kelly, thank you so much for being here. I think the financial piece is so critical and it really helps us set the stage for how we continue to do divorce in a much better way. So thank you. Thank you. And coming up next week on Divorce Redefined, Miss Renee Bauer will be joining me in the hot seat. Renee is a divorce attorney, a divorce educator, a speaker, and a podcast host of Happily Even After. So you're not going to want to miss this. And if you do miss a live show, you can head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can give us a follow there. This show is entirely designed for you. I'm so glad you're here. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week.